0: After listening to that long, very long gospel, we may kind of get overwhelmed and challenged by how long it was or maybe by halfway through as Deacon was reading the gospel, we may have zoned out and don't remember what the end of the gospel is. But today, to help us really settle back in and really understand and really chew on what the gospel has today, we're going to have to track back a couple of weeks. Because as we continue on our journey in, in ordinary time, we're going to continue to read consecutively out of the, book, the Gospel of Matthew. And so to help us fully understand where we're going and how we're progressing, we have to begin to track back a couple weeks and remind ourselves what we've read so far and how these things are building up. So this is a continuation of the Sermon on the Mount. So to help set the stage again, Jesus has just called his disciples around the Sea of Galilee. He calls his twelve and then takes them to the mountain, and from there he begins his first teachings to his disciples. So two weeks ago, we began with the Beatitudes, his first teachings. As we look at the Beatitudes, we understand Jesus is not just teaching something But he's sharing with his disciples what it means to follow him. The word beatitude can sometimes be translated into the word, how can I be blessed? How can I be happy? Because if we look at it very carefully, look at the first couple of beatitudes. Happy are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Happy are the meek. Happy are those who mourn. We look at those things and we begin to understand that as we wrestle with these things, we free ourselves to allow God to work within us. We free ourselves from our ego, our self-centeredness, to allow God to penetrate and enter more and fill us more in our lives. Last week, we then heard the images of salt, of light, and the city on the hill which then Jesus begins to build on this image of what it means to follow him to then explain to his disciples what is the purpose of living a life as a disciple. Because if we have no purpose, we have no direction, we have no guidance, we, have, we know nowhere to go, we begin to wander around aimlessly kind of in boredom, kind of having no purpose and mission in life. So he describes a life and the purpose of a disciple to be as salt of the world, to enhance, to preserve, a light to continue to radiate, to shine brightly in others' lives, the city on a hill to begin to be the navigation point, the center point where we draw people together and bring people together. So then what is our gospel today helping us understand on the life of a disciple? We have to look at how, what it means to live a life of a disciple. Today is the practical application of a life of a disciple, where the rubber meets the road, where we actually work through these issues as a life, as a disciple. So really the question becomes, how does discipleship look like in yours, in my daily life? How do I live out that gospel message? How do I live out what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ every day and every moment of my life? So I want us to focus just on the first part of the gospel. We hear Jesus say, I'm not here to abolish the law, but to come fulfill the law, which then sets Jesus up As saying that he is the new Moses. He brings his disciple up to the mountain just like Moses comes up to the mountain to receive the law, the Ten Commandments. But what is interesting and subtle and different in that law is how it's being read and interpreted. When we talk about law, our ears kind of perk up. Because when we talk about law, it sounds like it's demands, expectations, expectations. Marion webster defines law as a rule of conduct or actions prescribed or formally recognized as binding or enforced by a controlled authority. So when we hear law, we hear of I lose my freedom, I lose my choice, I can't do what I want to do, so then why do I have to follow law? Two very simple images that can come up is as a parent. When you're disciplining your kids, you hold authority and firmness in what you do. But from the perspective of the child, what do you see as a child? My parents are being mean. They don't care for me. Why am I being punished? There's this sense of fear that comes out of it. Or even to look at it very simply, we all got here by driving here. Why didn't we drive 100 miles an hour down 377? But the funny thing is, when we see a black and white car parked anywhere, or even this Keller area, this nice black and blue car, we begin to drive very slowly and very carefully. So what is it about law? We think of law as rules and obligations that we have to follow. But instead, Jesus is showing us today, it's not about rules and obligations that I'm afraid to break. I'm afraid of breaking because I'm going to get punished if I don't follow the law. But instead, there's a deeper meaning to the law. It's not rules and obligations that we have to follow. It's rule and obligations and suggestions and guidance that we should follow, we ought to follow. Let me put it in this framework, especially since this weekend we're going to prepare for Super Bowl. So I'm going to use this football analogy to hopefully illustrate this this point. If we look at football, the definition of a touchdown is bringing the ball to the other side of the end zone. If I decide whether if I'm an Eagles, if I'm the Eagles coach or the the Chiefs coach, I said I'm gonna change the definition of what it means to be a touchdown. I'm not gonna want to bring the ball to the other side of the field anymore. But instead, I'm gonna stand here on the 50-yard line and call it a touchdown. So every time I stand here on the 50-yard line, I make a touchdown. So how can we come to agreement of what a touchdown really is if there's no guidelines for how the game is played? If we can't agree on how we're going to referee this game, what are the rules and regulations, we can't have an ordered game. Then it's completely chaotic. Then it's completely, everyone else can rewrite the rules the way they want to, and no one else knows how that whole game is therefore orchestrated. How we all can participate and enjoy the game. Laws, the the Ten Commandments my dear brothers and sisters is very much that. It's not laws and regulations that I have to follow because it's going to punish us. But instead it brings order, it brings peace, it brings unity to what can be seen as chaotic. Because the purpose of that law is not fear in our lives the purpose of that law is for each and every one of us to get to heaven we can get really black and white when we read the law thou shall not kill what does that mean i am not going to physically kill or murder or terminate someone's life but instead if we really look at it from jesus Jesus's perspective He's not saying just that I'm going to murder someone or I'm going to terminate someone's life. But how am I falling short of loving someone? How am I hurting them and their reputation, who they are, their character? Those things are murder. But for the Pharisees and Sadducees at that time, murder is the termination and ending of someone's life. So what are we really looking at when Jesus tells us these things, when he explains the Ten Commandments to us? We're not looking, Jesus is not looking to change bad behavior. As a parent, why do you discipline your child? You're not disciplining them because you're punishing them. There may be some sense of punishment in that. You're trying to correct a behavior, yes, that is true, But there's a deeper thing that comes about in punishment in correcting someone's life is it begins in the heart it begins from love it begins from within so now look at murder if i have damaged someone's reputation someone's character someone's identity how have i loved that person I've fallen short therefore of loving the person for who they are. I'm holding anger, grudge within myself and therefore I'm putting that grudge, that anger on someone else. So I have fallen short of really getting in deeper to what I do. Let's look at adultery. Adultery is having relations with someone outside its proper context. Okay, yes, that is adultery, but let's get down to the root cause of it. Why is someone committing adultery? Because from the beginning of time, God created us for love, to be loved, and out of love. And therefore, deep down within one's heart, one is looking for love and is seeking true, authentic intimacy and love someone that I can share the most intimate deepest darkest secrets of my heart for someone to enter the recesses of my heart and know exactly who I am someone that can, I could can be authentic and true to but yet the behavior instead is I'm looking for the superficial love I'm looking for the surface level love to respond to my needs and when Jesus says, when you, get, you give someone a bill of divorce and you're still committing adultery, when you remarry again, it's very much that. How are we living out that true purpose of law? How are we allowing to deepen our lives and pulling things from within and not just correcting bad behavior? Our life as the disciples, my dear brothers and sisters, Therefore is not surface level. It's not just to say I'm a Christian, I am a Catholic, I go to mass and that's it. It calls us to a deeper interior reflection, a deeper intimate relationship and a deeper honest analysis of who we are and what we are doing. Because happiness doesn't just come from me doing the bare minimum. Me living out that life and sharing, becoming the salt of the world to enhance the flavor of others, to enhance the faith of others, does not just sit at the basic catechism of the Catholic Church level. It begins with a deep interior life, a life in which we reflect, we wrestle and love God with all our heart, not just as academics but as an intimate relationship with someone I know, experience, and can talk to. And in that, things begin to change, things begin to radiate. It's not a behavior anymore. I'm not just a zombie walking into church, doing it because I have to, I should do anymore. But it's something I ought to do. When your heart is saying, I'm going to pick up my clothes, not because I have to, but because I love my husband, I love my wife, because as a child I want to do good for my parents. That's when you have changed. That's when the recesses of your heart has been radiating. That's when true life as a disciple occurs. And that's when we can truly be disciples of Jesus Christ. That's how the rubber meets the road. That's how we're called to live as disciples. So today, my dear brothers and sisters, it's not going to be easy. It requires change. It requires work. It requires a commitment. It requires a renewal within our lives. It's going to seem like it's a a, a difficult thing, a big task to undertake. But what we can do and begin to do today is chip at it. To just pick one and work at it this week. So that we can begin to rid ourselves of those things. So that we can begin to work out those issues within our lives. But most importantly, to put into practice what it truly means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. How we can live that out daily and live out what the Lord has called us and what our purpose and our mission in life is. To be faithful truly as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. Amen.